How do you feel great on vacation? Like really good? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Welcome to Dare to Self-Care. I'm Jen, lifestyle YouTuber and your host of this podcast, where we dive deep with insightful guests to find out how self-care has played a role in their success. Welcome to our community. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to our community. Happy Monday. I, for one, am really looking forward to this week. I had a very weird week last week. You guys heard my episode about, I mean, maybe you didn't, so you can go back and listen if you didn't, but I am now working a few part-time jobs. I've fully left the nine-to-five full-time corporate job life, so you can listen to last week's solo episode on that if you want to hear about all of that craziness that is my life. But this past week was my first full week, you know, doing the damn thing and (laughs) doing part-time PR and some rumbles, some social media, just like the whole new lifestyle. And it went differently than I thought. So I'm excited for this week. I have zero plans. I really just want to like zone in on work and get refocused and re-energized. So I'm excited for this week. Hope you guys are too. Let's get into what was in alignment for me and out of alignment for me this week. And as always, you guys reflect on your weeks as well. Okay, what was in alignment this week? Let's see. Well, This weekend, I went back to Long Island to visit my parents. I had a bridal shower, so it was a nice family weekend, and it's always nice to get out of the city. It was beautiful weather out, so it's always nice to just, like, be in the suburbs when it's nice out instead of, like, sweating in New York City. And I, this past weekend, wasn't really on social media a whole bunch, so I really feel like I was able to recharge I got into a bit of Melissa Wood Health again this weekend. It's the one workout that I can always come back to and I can always count on it to have me feeling great and toned and I don't have to shower after, so it's great on the weekend. I just love it. I have been doing Caroline Gervan all week for a YouTube review and it kicked my ass and I honestly didn't enjoy it. I'm not really in the mood for that kind of workout indoors right now. If I'm going to be doing a hardcore workout, I want to be like in studio at Rumble. Like, I think I just have YouTube workout fatigue, honestly, and anything I do, I will hate. So I am really looking forward to getting back into workout studios. I have a few reviews coming up. I'm going into Body Rock, which is a mega former workout studio. I'm going in next week, so I'll do a review on Reels and YouTube, and I'm just excited to get back into the studios. And one more thing that was in alignment for me this week, I'm trying to give more recommendations when I talk about this. I love filling you guys in on my week, but I also want to like share what I'm loving these days. So I'm loving, in addition to Melissa Wood Health, Audible. I am such a podcast junkie. Like I listen to podcasts all day, all week long, way, way, way more than music. I'm curious what your guys' thoughts are on that, music versus podcasts. 
So I'll do a little poll on the Dare to Self-Care Instagram for that because I am curious. But I just got into audiobooks. I'm not – I don't feel the need to do fiction books on there because I think there's nothing like, you know, being fully zoned into a fiction book in your hands on paper. But there's so many self-help and business books that I want to read, but it takes me so long to actually read them. Right now, I'm physically reading Tim Ferriss's The 4-Hour Work Week, which I love and I'm sure I will get more into in the coming weeks because I only just started it on paper, but it's taking me a long time to get through the 400-page book. And in the midst of that, I finished two books on Audible. I finished Don't Keep Your Day Job by Kathy Heller. That is a podcast that I love. And basically, her book was like summarizing every podcast she's ever done And it was just perfect to listen to as a podcast because I do usually listen to her as a podcast anyways. And same with, I read Crush It by Gary Vee and I really enjoyed listening to it via Audible. It was only, both of these were only like three to four hours. I actually didn't finish Gary Vee's Crush It because I felt it was very outdated. Like the emphasis on Twitter and he even mentions like this book will probably be outdated by the time you read it because things are constantly changing. So I think with Gary Vee, it's just like better to listen to his podcasts and everything. So I stopped reading that book. But right now I just started Maria Forleo's Everything is Figure Outable. And I'm only a few chapters in. It's a seven hour audible book, which means reading the actual book would probably take me months. I'm so slow. So I am loving it so far. And I won't give you my final recommendation and sign off just yet because I'm only a few chapters in but highly recommend listening to these sorts of books on audible unless it's a book that's like you know has a bunch of workbooks maybe not but it's really just helping me get through them and I I'm such a podcast girl so I just feel like I'm listening to a podcast it's great oh one last thing just because I'm drinking it right now I got a new stock up of all my favorite Saqqara teas so I am drinking the detox one right now and I'm so happy I was going through withdrawals. I literally drink two plus a day of all the different ones. So I am thrilled right now. All right. What was out of alignment for me this week was I went out to a lot of like expensive dinners and drinking at dinner and it just made me super tired all week. And it was my first week of my new life and I just felt like I made all of these plans, just coincidentally it fell on this week and I was going to all these dinners with like pictures of alcohol and spending more than I wanted to and it just was not in alignment for me this week. Sometimes that's like the highlight of my week, like being super social and having a lot of plans, but it was a week that I really think I needed to have to myself to settle into this new work life and really refocus and strategize and get organized and I don't feel like I was able to do that this week but it is what it is last week was last week and I'm just excited to do that this week I am working rumble four times a week so I need to be like super just on it and when I'm not on a shift I have a lot I need to be like super organized and and know what I'm doing when I'm not on my shift and I have to work three hours of PR a day so Where am I squeezing in YouTube and podcast work and everything? So I just need to get like some structure in the mix and I don't feel like I had a minute to do that this week. So this week I'm going to cook a lot, get realigned, refocus with YouTube. I need to get reorganized and we're just going to go into this week 
focusing on that because that was what was out of alignment for me this week. So let's breathe in more what was in alignment and breathe out what was out of alignment for us this week. <sighs> it feels so good. Oh, also I like didn't really meditate this this month. I did not really meditate that much this week, so let's get more of that in this week. I just, you know, when you're out drinking and then you wake up and you're groggy and cranky, like meditation and your normal healthy morning routine things aren't really the first thing that come to mind. So I was sort of out of sorts and then it made my Caroline Gervan workout so much harder. So I just, I'm ready for a new week. All right. So our guest this week is Real with Emma on Instagram. She is a holistic nutritionist, a wellness expert, and a health coach based out of Boston. I do want to give a trigger warning because amongst the topics we spoke about this week, we spoke about her story with having an eating disorder and ED recovery. So if anyone is super sensitive to that and finds that to be a trigger, I do want to place that warning up front right here. We also spoke about what true self-care really is following your passions and being able to pivot, spirituality and how that's different for everyone, shadow work, manifestation. We spoke about just life. We spoke about her story and it just, you know, it branches out into so many amazing topics. So I absolutely loved this conversation. It felt super deep, personal, meaningful, and like everyone could really take something from it. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. And of course, our sponsor of the week is Mindset Wellness CBD. You guys know this is my absolute favorite CBD. And that's because not only are all their products all natural, vegan, organic, tested for purity, and also their gummies are made like as healthy as possible, which I personally really appreciate, but each mindset, they have happy, calm, rested, focused, healthy. So you buy whatever mindset you want. You can get a happy oil, a calm oil, a rest oil, a gummy for focus, you know, any mindset you want. Each mindset is formulated with a specific terpene, so that plays a key role in differentiating the effects of CBD. So they curate each and every mindset with a different terpene and also a different supplement, which I love. For example, the rest one has melatonin in it, so you're not just having CBD. There's an extra added natural organic supplement in there that is great for you. The health mindset is, you know, vitamin D, CBD. It's just super, super intentional and it really works because it's not just CBD and you get an all natural anxiety relief effect from each and every mindset. So I absolutely love, love, love mindset CBD. They also have a happy CBD honey, which I love in my teas. You can use my code GenLauren10 for 10% off and free shipping. And that's that, Mindset Wellness. And before we get into the interview with Emma, I just want to give you a quick reminder that if you could please leave me a review on iTunes podcast app, it would mean the absolute world to me. I'm obsessed with reading your reviews. I'm thinking about reading them on here. I know I feature them on the Instagram I'm thinking of shouting you guys out on here, but I don't always love to hear that on other people's podcasts, so honestly, that's just the only reason I don't do it. <laughs> so if you want me to shout them out, let me know, but if not, please, it would mean the world to me. It helps people find our podcast, which then helps us get amazing guests. So without further ado, let's get into this week's episode with Emma. Hi, 
Emma. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to finally be sitting here and doing this. There's been a lot of rescheduling and divine timing. Divine timing, yes. Thank you for having me on. And I think it is really funny that when you first asked me to come on, I was like, yeah, so excited. And then what was it? Something had happened to me. Maybe I was hungover. Something happened. And then on Sunday, I was like, I I just don't think I can show up as my best self today. And you were like, yeah, I saw your stories and figured you wouldn't want to do this. And then then you got sick. And then the other day, just like life happens. And so I never get concerned with it. And the minute you told me you were a Virgo, I was like, God bless. Like you're probably freaking out right now. But it is all good. Divine timing is so real. I... And every single time you would say divine timing, and I was just like, I mm-hmm. like this girl. We're going to vibe. I love it. So I'm I'm just like excited yes. to dive in because I, I agree with you. Divine timing. I'm excited to see what unfolds mm-hmm. in this episode. Um, okay, so we have to start with your top self-care tip that has played a role in your success. Every guest has to tell us their self-care My tip. number one self-care tip, if I had to boil it down, would be journaling. I think that journaling was really the number one thing I started incorporating into my day-to-day life, which led me to all of these other self-care practices. Because when you really commit to your journaling practice and you're not just like, good morning, like the weather's nice today. And you know, and you're not just like kind of shooting the shit with yourself, but you're actually going deeper. It allows you to see where some things in your life might be lacking or misaligned Therefore, you can incorporate more self-care practices because the tool of journaling has shown you exactly what it is that you need to know. Absolutely. And I just saw your Instagram post Mm -hmm. like 10 minutes ago. It was about self-care. And you were talking about how, and I completely agree with you, something I get nervous about with like Mm self-care being a part of my messaging is like, I don't want people to see that and think I'm selling them on, you know, a dream and like, go make your matcha latte and like those types of like self-care rituals they're just gonna like mm. fix your life I agree with you it's more about like looking inside seeing what you need through practices like journaling like right. going for a mindful walk whatever it is to see what's really going on and I think when you really understand yourself mm-hmm. and are in tune with yourself your intuition's stronger like everything just comes into fruition that's meant to be and so I love that your tip is journaling because that's something I just got into this year. I was never a journaler. I never understood it. I'm more of like a a mm-hmm. vocal release person. I like therapy. I like podcasting. Like I'm more verbal. But jur- there's something about journaling and getting it on the paper and like really understanding, oh, I was feeling anxious today about this. Like I knew I was anxious. I thought I was so on top of my emotions, but like when you really get to write down and figure out what's really going on, that's when the magic happens. Yeah, it's it's really funny. And what I posted today, one of my biggest worries is that it looks like I'm contradicting myself when in reality I'm just trying to make sure mm-hmm. that I keep my message realistic. And so for your message, self-care, I don't want you to ever think that it's a bad thing to promote self-care because – To me, it's kind of the same thing with spirituality at the moment. A lot of people are beginning this journey towards their greatest selves, their highest selves, towards healing and evolution. What's bringing them into the the door, what's kind of kicking off their journey is something super simple like manifestation or self-care and drinking lemon water and matcha. And 
I think it's beautiful that those things that are really pretty and really aesthetic get people in the door. And then I think it's up to people like me and like you that, hi, now that I have you here, now that I have your attention and you're starting to do some really beautiful things for your body and your mind, like working out and journaling and taking supplements and focusing on your sleep, now let's go deeper. But you can't really just show up in a space Mm -hmm. and be like, hi, you need to meditate, do shadow work, ball your eyes up. You know, you can't just like lead with the big scary stuff. So it's a beautiful thing that self-care has become quote unquote anesthetic for certain purposes. But when people stop there or when people promise all of this fulfillment and happiness just through the like surface level self-care, that's when I'm like, oof, no, now that you've got them, push them to go deeper. And so I think that what you're doing on this podcast you are obviously, like I listened to your episode with Isabel, who's a very good friend of mine, you're going deeper in this podcast container and platform. So you have nothing to worry about. I think it's just, it's an interesting topic that it <laughs> continues coming up for me because I want to make sure people understand that as I walk through my house in the morning and go outside and ground, like those things are nourishing me, but there are so many other things I'm doing during my day that allow me to step into those practices with so much ease, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yes. self-care is just taking care of yourself. No. And it's not always going to feel good. Self-care isn't always, like I said before, a matcha latte. Like mm-hmm. therapy sometimes is really hard, for example. Journaling how you're really feeling and really getting to the root of issues, it's really hard. So it's not necessarily – that's why I agree with you. It's like, sure, people can sell you on an aesthetic, but if that's how right. they can do it to, like, reel you in, to really get into the deeper stuff, then that's fine by me. So I actually mm-hmm. – I've really never thought of it that way, and I love that. And I agree with you. I think that's why I love podcasting because I feel like the longer-form conversation – spreads a deeper message of what self-care really is and what mindfulness really is rather than like a quick post on Instagram that's just gonna look good on the feed and like catch people's eyes so that's why like I said I'm more attracted to like YouTube Mm -hmm. and podcasting on like these more verbal places where we can actually have a conversation about it and get people thinking right exactly and that's what started off my entire journey is I was like, I need to start taking care of myself in a way that I never have before. Self-care was not promoted or prioritized when I was growing up. I mean, I'm, I'm 27. So when I was in high school and I was in college, that wasn't a thing. You didn't take care of yourself. You treated your body like it was garbage, especially the college culture. You just like binge drink and you eat fried foods and you have no idea what gut health is or you know, mental Mm -hmm. health had a super stigma around it. And even when you battled anxiety, you felt uncomfortable labeling it. And so for me, self-care was what opened up the door to me discovering my spirituality and leaning into all of these other facets of who I am as a person. And yeah, one of my favorite ways to take care of myself is through the aesthetic, the aesthetically pleasing things like face masks and matcha, because one of the things I always tell my clients is that actions speak louder than words. And I think affirmations are really big right now. They're like a hot topic, you know? I am beautiful. I am powerful. I am deserving. That's all well and good. But when I started this journey a few years ago, when I said those affirmations, 
the voice inside my head, AKA my ego was like, no, you're fucking not. Why are you saying that? You know, it's like that Mm -hmm. imposter syndrome. And so in order to believe those things, you have to take action that reinforces the affirmation. So for example, if you're trying to, to believe that you're worthy of love or abundance, like you have to start treating yourself like you're worthy. So nourish yourself with beautiful food and take yourself for a long walk and, you know, make your matcha super aesthetically pleasing and do face masks. All of those things reinforce that you are deserving of love and luxury and connection and, and beauty and all of those things combined. So it's just like such a, like you said, it's, it's a really deep conversation, which is why I think podcasting is, it's why I started my podcast. I just want to be able to talk about these things without having to like go in my Instagram story or like type a quick caption because it's so much mm-hmm. deeper than just someone telling you why matcha is good, which obviously it's amazing. It has so many antioxidants and has, you know, anti-cancer properties. But at the end of the day, mm-hmm. why are we incorporating matcha into our routine or why are we doing Coco Kind's new clay sea mask or whatever it is? Why? For what reason? And it has to even go beyond our skin, right? We're, we're treating ourselves with kindness and compassion and, and true care. And that's what it's really all about. Yeah. And sometimes it goes back to the mm-hmm. idea of just treating yourself like you would treat a best friend. Like if a best friend was saying, I'm not fucking beautiful. I'm not this. I'm not that. What would you say to them? If they mm-hmm. were having a hard day, maybe you would make them a matcha latte. So it's it's like those things that are aesthetic and all well and good. Mm-hmm. It's just treating yourself with kindness And eventually it all – also it goes back to sort of what you were saying a few minutes ago with like, you know, in college Mm -hmm. we treated our our bodies and our minds like shit. Or you go through something way harder than just like eating fried foods and there's like these big life experiences. But it all makes sense in the end because sometimes you have to go through the shit to even get to a place where like you feel the need to take care of yourself and then Mm -hmm. discover spirituality, discover practices that change your life. So – on that note that actually brings me to I want to I want to talk about your story and how you got to where you are to you know you're a health coach you talk about ED recovery you now have your own podcast like you have a very strong message that I would love for my audience to hear so can we go back to I know you're very open about struggling with an eating disorder and recovering and like you have a yeah. a very strong message with that that I would rather you speak than I do. So let's let's dive into that. Yeah, totally. And I kind of want to preface this because I don't know. I've always worn my emotions on my sleeve. I've never really been able to suppress my emotions. Um, I lead with a lot of passion, anger, fury, rage, resentment. But at the at the root of all of those things that it's like the softer emotions like heartbreak and sadness and not feeling worthy. And so I led with all of that fury for the majority of my life and it ended up manifesting into a really bad eating disorder. And so what I wanted to preface with is when I talk about my eating disorder, I'm just, I'm so far removed from it now that I'm able to talk about it Um, in a lighter way. Sometimes I even try and bring humor to it. But at the core, when I really go back and put myself into the shoes of the girl who had the eating disorder, it absolutely breaks my heart. So I feel for anyone who struggles with their relationship to food. And I really want to sit down and make an entire podcast just on my eating disorder because it would take so long. But for me, I grew up as an athlete. I'm one of four kids. Um, 
And my parents didn't do this on purpose, of course. Mom and dad, if you're listening, I love you. But it's kind of that thing where like all of the kids have their role or their talent or whatever they're worthy of. So I was the athletic one. My younger brother, Matthew, he was kind of like a wild child. He had a lot of issues growing up being bullied. And um, so my parents had to just give him a lot of attention. So my sister was like, all right, so I'll be the smart one. Like I'll get good grades. And then my older brother so badly wanted to be the athlete, but ended up just kind of being like, whatever, very aloof, smoked weed, just chilled out. And I was the wild child. And I put a lot of pressure on myself to be that athlete. And so my eating disorder really started with the pressure to look a certain way physically. And it was very hard being an athlete in college. I played D1 field hockey at UNH because this is when my eating disorder really like came to the surface. I think my whole life I hated my body, like my physical body. I hated how muscular my quads were. I hated that I had abs because that was not cool or in style back then especially as like a young girl the strong as the new skinny movement didn't come until I was like a sophomore junior in college and it was like okay I'm so competitive I want to be the best on the field I want to be the fastest I want to lift the most I want to run the run the fastest timed mile I want to do the most pull-ups but then the minute I left the field house it was like I have to go get dressed to go to the bar and I want to be the skinniest, and I want to be the prettiest. And so it was just this, this dichotomy, the duality of both things. That pressure just made me feel as though I had to control everything about myself. So I controlled my food and the way that I worked out every day. And it, I look back, and like now I'm like, why would I do that? But in that, that girl, that version of myself, she wasn't mindful She wasn't aware. She had no idea that her thoughts were not who she was, but just a trauma response and that voice that lived in fear for so many years. And so after I graduated college, my eating disorder got really, really, really bad. It was very dark. I ended up coaching field hockey at Boston College, which was such a cool experience. They're like a top 10 Division I ACC school. But I actually did not experience that experience because I was starting to count my calories and track my macros and was forcing myself to do like an hour and a half of cardio and then an hour of weight training and then I would work out with the team it was just I wanted to make sure that I wasn't the athlete who graduated and got fat like that was the pressure I put on myself and after coaching at BC for just one season I got the opportunity to get my master's in sports nutrition while being a graduate assistant for a field hockey team, actually a brand new division one team. So I would have helped create the program. It was just, it was awesome. But I moved to New York and I lived in a one bedroom apartment. And like, that's when everything just came crashing down because I had nothing else to do in my day other than go to my classes, go to practice, do what I need to do for work. And then all of my other time was for me. I didn't have any friends in New York And so I just really began diving into workouts. And this was in 2017. And so everybody that I knew was in the gym. They were doing body competitions. It was like the Tammy Hembro, Gymshark, Booty Guide, Slim Waist, you know, whatever you want to call it. So I was lifting five or six days a week and then doing cardio on top of that and tracking and counting my calories and macros. I was living off of 
Halo Top and zero calorie sweeteners and not really actually nourishing myself on, you know, like a cellular level through nutrition. It was all about weight loss, weight loss, weight loss, weight loss. And I just, I never actually found the results I was looking for because looking back now, I understand that my body was completely in overdrive and I just wasn't, I wasn't happy. I wasn't living and I completely hid it from everybody in my life because that was just Emma. Emma just loved working out. Emma just was super obsessed with what she let herself eat. And they had no idea that after I treated myself to pizza that I would make myself get sick. And they had no idea that if I was going to go out to breakfast in the morning, I would make myself get up at 6 a.m. to do hill sprints and like a lower body circuit beforehand. And that after breakfast, I would have so much guilt, I would work out a second time that day. Because to them, it was like, oh, look at Emma. She's such an athlete. Like she's just... Yeah, that was me. That was the box that I lived in. And so my eating disorder wasn't, it didn't stand out because it looked like that was just who I was and that that's what made me happy when in reality I was just killing myself and trying to live up to the expectation that I felt as though society placed on me and that I felt like was my only way to achieve validation or worthiness was through being an athlete and looking that way. Like, who would I be if I didn't work out every day, if I didn't have a super muscular physique and people weren't always commenting on my physical appearance? Like, what else am I worth? I'm not smart. I don't, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm the funniest. I don't have the best personality. Like, I'm not the best looking. So what else am I worth other than my athletic ability? And so my eating disorder was very strongly tied into my career as an athlete. And unfortunately, the coach that I had in college didn't really support mental health at all. And so a lot of even the girls who I played with suffered from disordered relationships to food, to fitness, to their body, etc. So it was like a very long time before I think I actually realized that I had an eating disorder because to me it was like, I just care. I just have to live up to this expectation that I have for myself and that society has for myself. And so long story short, it was actually through listening to a podcast episode. Are you a fan of the Skinny Confidential podcast? Yes. Yes. Love. She was one of the first people I feel like I started listening to that would bring on guests who talked about holistic health and wellness. And so I was in New York. I'm literally on the Stairmaster, like busting my ass probably like 45 minutes in, just trying to get myself to potentially go an hour. And she had Melissa Wood Health on as a guest. And Melissa was opening up about her eating disorder and her battle with bulimia. And it was like the minute that she said the word bulimia, like my stomach kind of dropped because I was very much bulimic. But it was the one thing that I was so ashamed of. I never even admitted it to myself. And so to hear Melissa, Melissa Wood, talk about it with so much strength, I was like, okay, my whole world came crashing down. I was like, okay, so A, I have an eating disorder. B, I'm bulimic. C, other people have it too. And I just like quickly got off the Stairmaster, grabbed all my things, ran back to my apartment. And I just like collapsed on my floor and started like bawling my eyes out because it was the first time that I admitted to myself that I had a really bad eating disorder. And it wasn't just like, oh, you know, you know, sometimes I restrict or sometimes I do this. Like I couldn't, you know, make excuses for myself anymore. I, at that point, was probably binging and purging like 
at least three or four times a week. And that's really bad. And it's, it's very detrimental to your gut, which is definitely why I had SIBO and so many gut issues and, you know, just my mental health. I was like literally killing myself. And so to kind of sum it up, that's what kicked off my entire healing journey. And once I knew that I was sick, I'm somebody I like I go very hard when I know that there's something I should be doing that could potentially make me better, which is why I had an eating disorder, if that makes sense, because I put so much time and effort into energy into restricting, binging, counting, measuring, obsessing that now that I wasn't going to obsess over those things, I was going to obsess about healing. And so Mm -hmm. before I even realized that that was how I operated and how I worked, I just quickly went from being bulimic to orthorexic, which is obsessed with anything health and wellness. It's a fear of eating anything that wouldn't be considered healthy. And so I was like chugging green juice and like taking turmeric supplements and I was done counting and measuring. But like at that time, I didn't realize that I still had a terrible relationship to working out. Like my eating disorder to me, I was like, it's just about food. So like I kept working out a bunch, but now instead of, you know, like making myself get sick and by no means to anyone listening to this that I just like stop. It wasn't like at the snap of a finger that I just didn't make myself get sick again or didn't struggle. It was a very long process, but the healing began once I admitted to myself that I was sick and it looked super messy and crazy for a long time, but it was through mindfulness and through journaling and self-acceptance that I was able to continue healing to get where I am now where like I can, I don't even remember what I ate for breakfast today and that's something that never used to happen like I never missed a meal all I thought about all day was food and now I'm like what what even is food like it's literally just here for me to survive and it's nothing more than that which is super beautiful so I know that that was like very long-winded but there's so much more I could have said. It's just, it's been a very long journey. What am I? I'm 27. I would say it's been 10 years since I first felt that relationship for food switch from being fuel to being a dictator of my worthiness. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing all of that because I know that's not easy to share. And I know it's probably so much easier now because it's totally a part of your message and Mm. you've done the work. But you mentioned something about, you know, your identity being an athlete. And Mm. if you didn't have that, and if you weren't working out all the time and you weren't doing all the things you were doing, who would you be? Is that something you felt and understood at the time? Or is that through all the work you've done since that you can now come to realize that? That's such a good question. I had no idea at the time. I would say those things to myself like, Emma, you have to work out because you're an athlete, because you have to have this body type, because if you got fat, if you didn't, you wouldn't be – You nobody would care about you anymore. Like this is all you're worth. Therefore, you have to make sure that you maintain that image. So – It's funny, like when I start working with clients, I'm like, what does your ego sound like? What do they say? What is their main goal? How are they keeping you in fear? For me, my ego sounds just like me. And that's why I think I lived so long just thinking that that voice was, was trying to guide me in a positive way. And technically, that's what our ego is doing. It's like the big older sister who's like, 
kind of shitting on you but is really just trying to like prepare you for the world and like keep you scared to keep you safe that's what our ego does and my ego is just all about fear and fear of judgment fear of how I'd be perceived fear of failure and I didn't realize any of that until probably the last two or three years journaling therapy meditating talking about it like you said I'm also very verbal um, which is why I always talk in my Instagram stories and I love podcasting and IGTVs and just that's where the juices really get flowing for me even more so than pen to paper so it's definitely been a while um, in the making to get where I am now able to speak on it with so much clarity because when you're in it it's just like it's cloudy it's hazy it's murky for sure so first of all I have never fully understood the whole concept of your ego. I have a general understanding Mm -hmm. of it, but how you just broke it down as someone who has an older sister, Mm -hmm. that makes so much sense to me. And that is, I feel like that is going to be so helpful moving forward and understanding the thoughts that come up into your head and Mm -hmm. being able to recognize them as this doesn't mean it's the truth. It's it's a means of protection like Mm -hmm. that. I love how you just explained that, but- For anyone who is struggling with the same or just, you know, reflecting on your own personal journey, what was your first step in recovery? Because like you said, you listened to the podcast, Mm -hmm. had an epiphany, incredibly emotional. That's not just like next day, all of a sudden you're healed. Right. So was it totally a solo journey, listening to podcasts, getting resources? Did you seek out treatment? Like what, what were sort of your first few steps to healing? It's funny because even now I'm at a place in my life where do I want a mentor? Yes. But do I feel like I'm kind of on this earth to do it my own way and to do it on my own terms and to be my own guidance system? Yes. And I only am able to acknowledge that now. But when I, you know, finally admitted to myself I had an eating disorder, the first thing I did was I committed to radical transparency with myself because we lie to ourselves all the fucking time, all the time. We suppress, we lie, we make excuses, we try and make things seem like they aren't as bad as they are. We do this with eating disorders. We do this with relationships. We do this with our careers. Like, oh, it's not that bad. It'll be okay. It's just for now. I was done lying. I was done making excuses. It was like, I feel like I'm going to binge right now. I feel like I'm going to binge. What does that mean? And while I was starting to heal, it sounds crazy, but I would take pictures of myself if I did binge and purge and I would start documenting it and I would look back and be like, is that what you want? Do you want to feel that way? And I was trying to connect my current self to previous versions of me that felt the pain and acted on the pain in that physical, tangible way, aka going out, buying a ton of food, binging, purging, going, running six miles, lifting. It was so physical and it it manifested into, into the physical form. And so I documented it. I journaled every single day and I made sure that I was honest, um, even if it was embarrassing. And I think that that was the biggest thing I had to move through with my eating disorder is the shame. That's why I didn't want to tell anybody. That's why I didn't admit it to myself. I didn't want to be just another another one of those girls who had an eating disorder because at least back then and I have to say I don't I don't 
try and lead my platform as an eating disorder recovery page, but I definitely talk about it. It's the same thing with gut health for me. Like it was such a big part of my life for so long, but I've moved on from it and I don't make that part of my work. It's always something so sacred to me, but I'm not really sure what it looks like in the modern day right now. I follow a few accounts who are so special to me that continue to be vulnerable about their history with their eating disorder. But for me, it's kind of like, I'm so happy that that chapter has closed that I'm not like immersed in it anymore. But at least back then, this is like, when did I go to college? Like 2012 to 2016. Then I was in New York from 2016 to 2018. I felt like girls who had eating disorders the cute eating disorders were the girls who were anorexic. Like, oh, good for you. You can just not eat. You can just not eat. Like that wasn't my problem. And I was actually jealous of girls who were anorexic because it was prettier. It's like, oh, she just doesn't eat and gets skinny. Whereas my eating disorder was like a terrible, deep relationship to food tied to shame, tied to shame around my hunger, shame around what I enjoyed eating, what I had to hide from people, my athletic image, all of this stuff. And so moving through feeling so embarrassed to say, hi, I have an eating disorder because I used to look at girls with eating disorders and be like, oh, like sucks for you. And I wouldn't even admit to myself that I had one, even though I was one in the same with them. So For anyone who's listening, I'd say step one is commit to yourself that you're at least going to be honest. It's not going to be pretty. No healing path is ever linear, but honesty, transparency, compassion, that's like my catchphrase in my business is that compassion is the cornerstone to healing. You won't heal if you can't show yourself compassion. And that's what I had to work on. And that's honestly what led me into my spirituality, reading more self-help books, more books that help me connect to myself to release judgment and comparison, to do some more ego work. And then from there, I think seeking help from a professional is definitely a great route to take. I got a therapist, but believe it or not, we like barely talked about my eating disorder. We just talked about so many other things and I just really wanted to keep it safe and like sacred to me. But the next biggest shift that took place is when I told my friends and family and like it couldn't just be hidden within me anymore. I told my sister and surprisingly she was like, oh my God, I have an eating disorder. And like I'm bulimic too. And we were both like, how did we not know that we were both struggling and suffering even though we're so close? That was crazy. And then telling my boyfriend was really, really hard because he had been dating me the entire time and had no idea telling my friends was one of the most cathartic things for me because they just like held me while I cried and broke. And they were like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. We had no idea. I'm so sorry. You had all this pressure on yourself and we just weren't aware, but now we can help you understand that you're worth so much more than your physical appearance and being athletic and being the fit friend and you know, all of those things. So speaking it into existence is very cathartic in itself. Yeah, it sounds a lot like addiction recovery Mm -hmm. to me because I'm most familiar in my family with addiction rather than eating disorder recovery, Mm. although there's that too. But it seems similar to addiction where not only is there so much shame around it, but a great way to hold yourself accountable is to look your old self in the eyes Mm -hmm. and remember where you were when you were doing things that you thought would make you feel better in the moment 
But then you look back to where you were in that place and you're like, I never want to feel that way again. No matter how strong this urge is, if you can really face the place you used to be in, Mm -hmm. you can see and it's like the biggest motivator to not go back there. So that really struck me. And then also you mentioned how you spoke to your therapist and didn't speak about it. You are like the fifth person this week, I'm not kidding, who has said whether it was about grief, addiction, something else, that they had regular old like talk therapy, not a specialist, Mm -hmm. and didn't talk about the issue that they thought they needed to go to therapy for and would just talk about the day-to-day because they like didn't know how to Mm – someone needs to like bring it out in you. And that's why I think it's important to also see a specialist rather than just a therapist because I'm starting to realize that's such a recurring theme. Mm -hmm. And it's really fascinating to me that people go to therapy because they think they should to get treatment. And it can be so helpful. But if you're not talking about what's really going on, sometimes it's just like you're not going to get anything out of it. So sometimes I think a specialist is definitely the way to go, I'm realizing. Yeah. But I want to talk about how you are now a holistic health coach. Like now we know your story. Mm -hmm. We know the background. It's absolutely incredible how you've gotten yourself to this place. It's truly amazing. And even just hearing that like you had breakfast and no idea what you had for breakfast and just have like a totally balanced relationship Mm -hmm. with food and health and it's not you know you became a holistic health coach and that could that could make you go back into a pattern of obsessing over health so I'm curious now that you're helping others like when people share you have a platform online you're a holistic health coach do you ever get triggered by hearing other people's experiences or are you totally just like on the other side of it wanting to help so badly I, it's funny when it comes to food and working out, I don't get triggered anymore. It's funny. Like sometimes the other night I put this in my story, me and my sister made dinner and we sat down and you know how it goes. It's like, choose the show, get your food, get your drink, like make sure everything is set. And then she had to go upstairs to grab her glasses to like watch the movie. And then she took a phone call and she was taking a while and I was already eating. And then this this thought popped in my head that was like, well, she hasn't started eating yet. So by the time she comes down and starts eating, you're going to be almost done with your meal. Therefore, you will you'll finish your meal before her. And that's something that I think when I had my eating disorder was an everyday thing. It was like controlling the pace at which I ate, controlling how much I ate, how much I left on the plate, depending upon who I was with. And so... Once in a while, something like that will pop in. But when I recognize it, I'm like, I'm like, oh, look at that thought trying to control me. And I'm able to release it. Because um, you've done the work. Yeah, I, I really have. And it's it's amazing. But I have to say my spirituality is truly what completely, I think, cut the cord and disconnected me from my eating disorder. Because I'm in a place now where I'm like, food is nourishment. My body is just the vessel that my soul is living in for this lifetime. I have to take care of it. I have to treat it well. But my worthiness is not dependent upon what my body looks like. And so my spirituality kind of keeps me on that path towards more soul work versus physical work. And Mm -hmm. I'm not embarrassed to say that within the past year, I've worked so hard on my my soul and my mind that I haven't really taken care of my body the way that it deserves. Like I've barely worked out. I don't shave. I barely exfoliate. I'm like, oh, like moisturizing is such like a to-do that my goal for like that I made 
for the astrological new year, because that's when I like to set intentions, is to like start taking care of my body again. Because I used to love like dry brushing and like self tanning and like making my body look and feel good. But I've just been so detached from my physical body for the past year um, that it, I'm just like, it needs, it needs me again. And I'm ready to show back up for it. But the things that trigger me the most is like the success of others. Cause I'm so immersed in my business and I get triggered with judgment and comparison more so than I do someone's like physical appearance. Even it's more, it sounds petty, but I'm like, I have to stop focusing on like follower count and likes and like that form of success. I think that what shows up for me is always parallel to the stage in my life that I'm currently living in. Yeah, I was going to say, when you were talking about that just now, everything comes in seasons. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's the season where you're just so engulfed in career. Sometimes it's the season where you're getting married and it's Mm -hmm. like the relationship season. Sometimes you are really in tune with your body and know what it needs and want to nourish it. So I think that's just all a part of life and we all put so much pressure on ourselves to achieve balance and give each area of our life and each people in our life equal attention. And it's just, it all comes in seasons and it's a hard thing to accept, but that's like another thing that I agree with you. If I didn't have a relationship with spirituality now, or I didn't journal, I wasn't mindful and I didn't intentionally focus on self-care, whatever that means to me, because, you know, for me, it's therapy for other people. It's something else. I wouldn't have, you know, the foresight to realize, oh, it's impossible to have all of this at once. And let's just like relish in the season that we're in right now. And if you feel gravitated towards something, like you're saying, you're feeling like you want to connect with your body again, then that's great. And that's what's going to happen next. And like, you'll start weaving some of those small habits in, but you're a health coach now. So what was that? You were an athlete. And then what's the in-between? You went to college. Like what What's in between there? Did you have a career? You did you jump right into health coaching? What's your So I I went and got my master's in sports nutrition and really thought that I wanted to be a sports nutritionist because I obviously loved nutrition. I was quite literally obsessed with it. And with sport, I actually really wanted to coach field hockey like forever. I love coaching. I love being with people. And I wanted to make all of the the girls, the student athletes who I worked with, I wanted to make their experience better than mine was because mine was very tumultuous. But then I realized my boyfriend plays football, coaches football. There's no shot we ever end up working at the same school because field hockey is not as popular or as like prevalent across the country. And like you don't make money. There's like a very tight like glass ceiling for how much you mm-hmm. can make even as a division 1 head coach like top 10 school. It's chump change compared to what men make. That's just fact. And so I was like, "Uh, whatever, like I'll find something else I want to do." And then I was like, "Okay, this is perfect. Sports nutrition. I'll still work with teams, but now I get to help them with you know, what they eat and how they fuel themselves. But when I was going through my master's program for sports nutrition, there was just so much missing. And when I realized I had my eating disorder and really dove into holistic health and wellness podcasts, I was still getting my master's. And I was like, something's missing here. Like, why are we still looking at these girls, um, these athletes, and only talking about drinking a protein shake 
even though the ingredients are terrible and ruin your gut? And why aren't we talking to them about inflammatory oils, which causes so much inflammation in our bodies and is probably why when I was an athlete, I had tendonitis like everywhere in my body. I was always in chronic pain because my diet sucked. And so anyways, I graduated with my master's and I was like, kind of thinking I wanted to start my own sports nutrition business and be kind of a, um, what's it called? Basically like that person that I could just get hired at multiple different schools. I didn't want to go just work at one specific school. I wanted to be able to like maybe have talks one day. So I always was like, I'm going to go big with this. But Mm -hmm. once I got diagnosed with SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth and realized I had to heal my gut so much, I just kind of like dove into the world of health and wellness, realized how much I hated that sports nutrition didn't allow me to explore those things with my athletes. And so I went back to school to become a holistic health coach. And part of the reason I did that is because of podcasts. So many amazing people who I followed on Instagram and that had podcasts were health coaches or would interview health coaches. And so from there, after I graduated, I went and lived with my boyfriend in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, because he was coaching football at UNH. And kind of, we can dive into this too, but before we got on the call, you have some massive change coming up with your career. What I did was I was like, okay, while I'm going to school and trying to start my own business, I will go work the front desk at a fitness studio. So I found a cute like boutique studio. Weird. Right? A cute little studio. They had (laughs) cycle, bar, yoga, Pilates, fusion classes. They had rowing and strength. And there was like these beautiful locker rooms. Everything was – it was like bougie, 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 like hot towels, cold towels after classes, a smoothie bar. And in my mind, I was like, I will sit my ass at the front desk and I'll like do schoolwork. Like that's – because I worked at a gym in high school and I did jack shit. Mm -hmm. Little did I know that this studio was like, hi, functioning, you are working. I quickly became a strength instructor quickly became a manager. Then I started running the smoothie bar, Nourish. I was creating recipes. We got a juicer. I was creating juices. Like I was then wearing like 16 hats while in school. And then I became the wellness coach for the studio once I graduated and started taking on clients. And so I was working like literal 16 hour days and I was exhausted. But my boss at the time, the owner of the studio she'll never listen to this. Like, I don't even care. She was one of the most toxic people I've ever met in my entire life. And it was just like, work, 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 work until you die. You are only worth the work you put into your dream. Like you want to be successful, you don't sleep. And she was one of the people who was like, self-care is was created by your generation, Emma, because you guys want to be selfish. You want to have your cake and eat it too. Oh, I hate her. Yes. Like did not believe in mental health treated her employees just like people just came in and out. Like anyone who worked there only worked there for a few months because she would drive people out. And I worked there for, I think like nine or 10 months. And she like asked me, she like wanted to keep bringing me up and like more and more responsibility. And then my boyfriend got a new job. Thank fucking God (laughs) at Holy Cross, which is in Worcester, Massachusetts. And At first, I was like, I don't know, Casey. Like, I'm the wellness coach here. I'm literally being handed clients. I don't even have to go find them because they're members here. I was like, I have so much responsibility. I like, I had that like adrenaline rush of this is what it feels like to be an adult. Like, you're super busy all the time. And like, you're finally starting to like 
make a decent amount of money where you could like afford to like go out with your friends and live and not like see if your debit card's gonna like go through with the transaction um yeah which is what I always tell people is I'm like I'm 27 and for the first time in 2021 I'm making enough money to like be above the poverty line like that's what I've done like I just went to school went to school went to school made minimum wage like working like just working 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 and then started a business so anyways money is always like a thing for me because I'm like it might seem glamorous but like you have to like work and invest in yourself to kind of be able to create that life for yourself the life that I'm now Mm -hmm. finally stepping into but so when Casey moved we were like debating if I should keep working there and I would commute or he would commute and I was like Casey I can't commute I literally have to be at the studio at four like 4 30 in the morning and I closed the studio at 9 30 at night so like my god yeah it was terrible I don't know how I did it for so long Talk about adrenal fatigue. Like when I worked, went to work at the studio, I like looked happy and healthy because I had been healing. And by the time I left the studio, I had put on like seven to 10, just like stubborn pounds of like high cortisol and fatigue. And like, it wasn't like I was, I was actually eating less and working out more. This is always what I talk about with clients. Like I was just super stressed. Well, it's also kind of what you spoke about before, which is like, we tell ourselves it could be worse. It's mm-hmm. not that bad. Exactly. And like you just keep saying that to yourself until you realize, holy shit, I'm crying on the floor, sick over work or whatever yeah. it is. And you have to really face the truth. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm working seven days a week for anywhere from like a nine hour workday to like a 16 hour workday. Like it was crazy. So ultimately I told Casey, I was like, fuck it. I'm quitting this job. Fuck it, fuck it, fuck it. Like, I'm not happy. Like, I just woke up and had that realization. I was like, I'm moving to you with Worcester. I'm moving with you to Worcester. I was like, let's live, like, super close to where you work so that none of us have to worry about the commute. I was like, and I'm going to launch a business. I'm going to go full-time health coaching. Yes. And I had no idea what I was doing or no idea what it was going to look like because at the time, I was following other health coaches for inspiration, and it was very much like – posts that had just like tangible facts and information and like call to actions like does that make sense like it was very like marketing based I wasn't following any health coaches who were who were making money just through health coaching who were doing what I currently do and just being like right hey hello hi I'm a human it was like it's like 10 ways to beat the bloat and like (laughs) how to know this and that and like bullet 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 and so that's kind of how I started And I quit the job that I was in that absolutely fucking sucked. We actually moved in with my parents for a few months to um, save money because where we were living in Portsmouth, we didn't have a lease. We were like renting a room at our friend's house. And we, our current lease wouldn't start until September. So from like June to September, we lived with my parents and I was like, what am I going to do? And if it's crazy, because I, the other day I actually went back through my Instagram archives and was like looking at where I've been and how it actually wasn't that long ago that I started my business with like probably 350 followers on Real With Emma. This is in 2018. This is in 2019 probably. And I move home with my parents and I make my first like ebook course and it's called like the Beachin Action Plan and it had a meal plan and it had a workout guide. So you can see that even in that time in my life I was like okay I'm a health coach now I have to give meal plans I have to like give direction for workouts and it really still felt disconnected from what I wanted to do 
but I didn't know how to do what I wanted to do and I had to start somewhere. So I was, oh my God, I like hosted a boot camp at my high school for the summer and was like leading workout classes. And like, like that's what I did the first three months that I owned my business is I was just like hustling and like trying to show up on social media. And I actually remember the first picture I posted on Instagram that I like talked about me and my feelings and what I was going through. And I got such great feedback that I was like, I'm going to go with this. Like, I'm just going to keep showing up, talking about who I am, what I'm doing, how I'm feeling. And when I, when we moved to Worcester, I got a nannying job because I was like, I can't keep stressing about paying the bills. I don't want to have to like poach clients out of desperation. So I got a job just so I could pay the bills. And then the pandemic hit. And like that was only a year ago. And that's when I was like, I, I'm, I need to make – a program that's worth it. And through all of this time, I was doing my own spiritual work. I was doing a lot of inner work. I was trying to figure out what it was that actually helped me heal. And I started putting it into a program and putting into a program and filming and recording. And then I developed the Real With Project, which is like what I've been doing ever since. It was a group program. And it's just been such a crazy ride because it feels like a decade ago, but it was also like very recent for me. So it's been a crazy journey, but where I'm at now, it, I will continue. I don't know if you know human design. Are you familiar with human design? I'm literally interviewing someone tonight who's a human design expert. Yes, I, I'm a manifesting generator. Um, Me too. Yeah. So we like to continue following our passions. And if that means that we're pivoting, 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 then we are going to pivot, pivot, pivot. So that's kind of where I'm at. This last year has been beautiful and amazing. And I've worked with so many women, like dozens and dozens, which is awesome. But I think that that's why I'm like, okay, I need to kind of switch out from taking on so many clients at a time to some new, some new things for me and my business. So that's where I'm at now. But again, super long-winded health coaching journey started from needing to heal myself and it just evolved as I evolved. But I can tell that you really a lot of people don't know what living in alignment means. And I know you speak a lot about this mm. as well. And I feel like your entire story is exactly what it means to follow your intuition. And as we've mentioned so many times, you have to be in tune with yourself in order to even have that inner guidance and be able to like feel something in your gut and go with it because you're so strong in what you believe and what you know, because you know yourself so well, because you've done the work. And I know before we get into the ending segment, I know you mentioned that spirituality is a huge part of this and I can relate because that is something in the last year with during the pandemic I've gotten super into and I've never felt more in tune with myself. So I'm curious, like, what does spirituality mean to you? Is there a certain practice you're doing? Mm. It's such a good question because there's no way for me to like boil my spirituality down for, for me, it kind of just, it it unfolded exactly how it needed to for me. So it like started with journaling. Then I was like, I'm going to be somebody who meditates. I need to. I absolutely need to because I want to be able to talk about it with my clients and on my page. And so I kind of like pushed myself into it. I have ADD. I'm just like a very like scattered person. So sitting down is really hard for me. So I started dabbling with different forms of meditation, visualization, EFT, tapping, journaling, going for a walk. And just like being with nature, all of that is kind of what like jump started it. And then, of course, you know, like 
watching The Secret and learning about the law of attraction and you end up doing all this work to be able to manifest and then you realize you can't manifest because you have self-limiting beliefs and it brings you right back into that place where you have to discover what's preventing you from being who you want to be and it's you could call it shadow work so I just spent so much time in 2020 like early 2020 doing shadow work and understanding why I felt like I wasn't worthy of success or worthy of abundance or worthy of love or worthy of validation. And from there, I started really just leaning into my connection to nature and grounding. And I connected to who I feel like I truly am. And I couldn't do that until I took the time to figure out not just like who I wanted to be. That's like another thing that I'm wishy-washy on is like, who's that next best version of yourself? Like go be her and like make decisions as if you're her. Because I think that what we're really all seeking to do is align ourselves with the highest version of who we are, our highest selves. Mm -hmm. We are always our highest selves, always. And so the whole like becoming, like I, I get that because I even promote that, like shedding, breaking, rebuilding, emerging new again and again and again. I think I'm a new person every day, but at the same time, staying true to who I know I am and that's an ever evolving person. I don't know if that kind of like makes sense, but it's – It does and that's the point though is that people get confused by the word spirituality and they mm-hmm. think they have to believe in like this asserted God or like a certain yeah. practice and it's really just about discovering yourself and testing out different mindfulness practices. Mm-hmm. And as you go on that journey, you just start to discover yourself yeah. and see who you really are, what you want for yourself, what holds you back, what are your limiting beliefs. And it's just giving your your soul the space to do that. And I think the fact that you can't necessarily put like a label on it like, oh, yeah, I'm spiritual. I follow this xyz program you go do it too Mm -hmm. it just further proves that everyone is on their own journey and their own path and spirituality i think gets a weird rep i think people think you Mm -hmm. have to be super woo woo and yeah and like believe in like this these made up gods or something but it's really just about diving into yourself a little bit deeper and it can be scary people don't really want to face a lot of what's going on yeah but i'm telling you once you do it's like liberating mm-hmm. to know what's holding you back and to just face it and like work through it. It's so liberating. And it, I think it's beautiful that it's been such a part of your journey too. Yeah. Spirituality saved my life like 100%. And I don't even – I don't always talk about my actual beliefs. I mm-hmm. more, I've been alluding to it more since I would say like December of 2020, so within the past like four or five months. But – I, I have my own belief systems in the things that I truly believe in, but I only share that with people who I understand or who I know are on that same wavelength and who are in that same yeah. vibration. But it doesn't have to be, you know, like universe and source energy and like Gaia, Mother Nature. That's how I rock. But for you – I was going to say, but it totally can be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm for, all for it. <laughs> I'm like, that's – yeah, I'm like, that is my shit. Like moon rituals and all of yeah. that stuff. And I think – You know, if manifestation is what opens the door to someone who ends up like discovering their spirituality, bless them, you know? And I think that right now 
I do think spirituality has been a little bit like westernized and whitewashed and it's been a little bit too material. But I think the beautiful part is the people who maybe what gets them in the door is the idea that they can manifest their dream car or their dream career. But what ends up happening is the self-discovery that comes from them pursuing their dreams and pursuing things that they never thought possible before. And it's like- That's same- my path. Yeah. You you literally just nailed it. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to see what all this manifestation was about. And what ended up happening was you discover so much more. Yeah. And you discover what's actually blocking you from those manifestations. Mm-hmm. And you just get really in tune with yourself. From the initial goal being I want to manifest X, Y, Z, you have to quiet down. You have to do mindfulness practices. Mm -hmm. And what got me into journaling was scripting because I wanted to manifest. And then, you know, so that 100% aligns with my journey. And I think whatever gets you there, whatever podcast, whatever, even if it seems like a superficial goal, like manifesting a dream car or whatever it is, whatever gets you there, great. Yes, it it truly is. And I think – you know, even at first, when it comes to manifestation, it's like, okay, if you just write it down three times in the morning and six times six times in the afternoon and nine times at night and you say these affirmations and that's going to get you what it is you're looking for. But for anyone who's listening and is, you know, really trying to manifest, just understand that, you know, yes, you have to match the vibration of what you want to attract, but truly if you just focus on being that full embodied version of yourself, you will become a magnet for all of those things that you want because you're, you aren't letting yourself limiting beliefs lead the way and you're allowing yourself to process emotions with love because a lot of people when they manifest, they're like, oh shit, like I can't be mad today. I can't be sad today. But yeah. when you choose to suppress those emotions, you're making that choice with fear. So you're vibrating on fear the more you suppress. But when you just like allow yourself to have a bad day, you're embodying that full version of yourself. You are channeling love, acceptance, and compassion by having the shitty day and getting angry and speaking through your triggers. Because I think, you know, I struggle with that too. I'm like, oh, fuck. Like I shouldn't talk about this because – then I'm not going to be able to manifest the other thing. That's not how it works. And so it's really just the self-discovery and stepping into alignment with that highest version of yourself, being fully embodied. It's just the key that unlocks everything that you want in this life. And typically speaking, once you do this work, you're like, okay, really what I want is like deep soul connections and like travel and experience. Yeah, it's more about feelings than like, Uh, And like, obviously I'm manifesting certain numbers for my job and career. And like, you know, when Mm -hmm. you have a podcast, like you want certain downloads, but it's like the big stuff, the juicy stuff that comes from like a place within, in like your heart and your soul versus I want a Tesla or something like that. But once you, you start doing visualization while Mm -hmm. you're manifesting and you feel the emotions that come up when you think of achieving those certain goals that you want to manifest you realize it's really that feeling that you want and like what is this feeling and then you journal on it and it just opens so many doors and so many avenues to discovering yourself. So I think we can mic drop right there. I think that was beautiful. And I want to get into the ending segment, Fun Facts and Favorites, which is, let's go with the first one, a book or a podcast that has changed your life. 
I think for anyone who is listening to this and is very intrigued by spirituality, I recommend any of Gabby Bernstein's books. She really helped me along my path. Um, the one that people don't typically gravitate towards but is really powerful is her Judgment Detox book. But all of hers are just amazing, and I like to listen to them on Audible when I go for a walk, so that's my favorite. What would be your last meal on earth? Trader Joe's egg fettuccine with vegan pesto. Wow. I love how specific (laughs) you just got. I love it. Okay. When do you feel your happiest? When the sun is on my skin. Honestly, I know that that's like so cliche, but it's like my favorite time of day is like the morning sun. I'm just like, God damn it. I'm alive and I am living. It is a mood booster. Yeah. I love that. Mm. Okay. Lastly, if you could have dinner with one person dead or alive, who would it be? Oh, shit. Um, honestly, I think it would be Jordan Younger from The Balance Blonde. Great one. I just feel like she would be able to, like, tell me everything that I've ever wanted to know about myself in this world, in the universe. Like, she's an expander for me spiritually, which I love. Love that. And if anyone doesn't know about expanders, listen to Lacey Phillips' podcast. Mm -hmm. She talks all about this and breaks it down in such a great way. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you so much. Where can the people find you and your programs and everything? Thank you. As of right now, you can find me at realwithemmawellness.com. My Instagram is at realwithemma. I like low-key have a TikTok that randomly blew up, so you can find me there at realwithemma as well. But within the next few weeks and months, there will be a lot of other places that you can find me in ways to either work with me or just get into contact with. Um, the business as a whole. So you'll just have to stay tuned for that. Amazing. Well, I'm excited for you. Thank you so much for coming on and being vulnerable. I have no doubt that your words have helped someone out there. So everyone give Emma a follow and I will talk to you soon. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I would so appreciate it if you could take a moment to rate, review, and definitely subscribe so that you don't miss another insightful episode. You can also engage with the community on the Dare to Self Care podcast Instagram. So definitely join us all there and I will see you guys next week. Bye.